0: Love podcast, and I'm your host Chad Ford. And with me today, I have a special guest. It's Bailey Rasmussen, a graduate from the Peacebuilding Program at BYU Hawaii, and my partner in much of the social media effort that's gone around Dangerous Love. And I thought she'd be a great guest to bring on today and and talk a little bit about our Dangerous Love heroes, the idea behind it, some of the stories that we've learned, and. And really dive deeper into how we practice dangerous love uh, in the midst of self-isolation, in the midst of COVID-19. Welcome aboard, Bailey.
1: Uh, Thank you, Chad. It's really great to be here. Um, I've really enjoyed being on the the back end of the dangerous love uh, social media and content. And uh, Chad has been telling me for a few weeks that he's wanted to bring me, you know, to the front of the content and Um, I was just waiting, waiting for that call and today was the call. So here I am on the podcast and, um, it's great. Thank you for the invitation, Chad.
0: Yeah. And thank you for all the help. If any of you are following us on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram, uh, or the loving dangerously community now on Facebook. Bailey has been the mastermind but be, behind a lot of that. I'll, I'll confess uh, out of the gate that social media isn't my, my strong point. But we really wanted to build a community and we really wanted to bring together so many of the people that have been part of my life and, and part of this journey of, of this book, as well as really creating a community of, of lots of other people uh, that, that we haven't known and get them in conversation with each other. And, and Bailey's really been pivotal in that. And, and one of the things that that was really her idea is something that we've done all week, which is around Dangerous Love Heroes, as well as the Dangerous Love Challenge a few weeks ago, and really trying to move this from the world of ideas. You know, here's our, here are some ideas around Dangerous Love in, in, into action and, and community action. And so Bailey, maybe you can start by telling us where you came up with this idea and, and, and why you did it.
1: Yeah, uh, great. So Dangerous Love Heroes, sort of the campaign that we've been doing this week, um, I sort of envisioned it as an add-on to our Dangerous Love Challenge that we uh, sort of established a few weeks ago in the midst of COVID-19, right? Uh, Looking for ways that we could dangerously love um, in our homes, in our communities in the world in the midst of this global pandemic. Um, So Dangerous Love Heroes, specifically this week, you've probably seen it, if you're following us on Facebook, you've probably seen it on Facebook or Instagram. um, We've posted about it and and we've had even some of our own followers post their own Dangerous Love Heroes, sort of meant to be a way for us um, to highlight and show gratitude for the people that we know in our communities um, and their efforts that they are fulfilling Um, to adapt and continue meeting the needs of our societies. So some of these people that may come to mind for you um, are nurses and healthcare providers on the front lines that are providing healthcare to people that are sick right now. Um, Some of these people may be our first responders that come to mind for you, people that are essential workers and are able to have the privilege to stay in their homes. Um, But in, in a way, I think all of us can be Dangerous Love Heroes, in the sense that right now, more than ever, is a time that we need to have, you know, greater concern for um, those around us, the human family, and um, really do our best to do our part and stay home if we can. And if not, really practice good uh, social distancing measures. Um, So, Dangerous Love Heroes was sort of a way that we could, again, highlight and show gratitude for the people around us that. are being vulnerable enough to put others needs before their own in a time when the world is uncertain um, or quite frankly scary
0: so let's talk about uh, some of those and uh, you know what we've learned uh, from this I, I wrote I talked about this in the first podcast that that the name dangerous love and all the things that we've been really going through as as, you know, as human beings in the world today, I wasn't thinking about a pandemic uh, at the time. But in some ways, a pandemic is is a perfect opportunity to explain many of the principles in the book, how they work, and how we choose we over me, which is a big concept that we talk a lot about in the book. And this idea that when fear sets in, our our natural instinct is to is to think about ourselves, self-survival. Our conflict styles tend to be either avoided if it's uncomfortable, if we can, or, you know, lay down quickly and get it over with, which is sort of an accommodation style, or we get fiercely competitive and that sort of fight instinct kicks in and we have to do everything we can to preserve ourselves. And, and we've seen evidence of all of that in the in the wake of, of, of COVID-19 and whether it's, you know, <laughs> people rushing to the store and grabbing as much toilet paper and hoarding that toilet paper to people that have really tried to just kind of bury their heads in the sand and say, you know, really nothing else is going on, trying to avoid it, uh, if they can. And, you know, so we've seen all those actions, but then there's this other extraordinary thing that's been happening. And, you know, despite all of the negative human behavior that, that comes out of fear, There has been example after example after example, some that we've seen in our own lives, some that we've witnessed uh, via social media or on the news or what have you, of people who are choosing we over me. They, They are putting their fears aside and they're going out and showing love and compassion for people that are in difficult situations. And I thought we'd just start with Bailey. Uh, of the things that you've been seeing or hearing, whether that's been from you know people that have, have engaged in the in the in the social media activities, or just things you've you've seen you know in the news or what have you. Has there been any stories that have particularly stood out to you?
1: Yeah, so many, um, so many come to mind, and uh, many that we've seen through our Dangerous Love Heroes campaign this week um, have come to mind. Uh, one in particular, one that we posted from our uh, Dangerous Love social media channels was a healthcare provider by the name of Mert Ergel. And, Chad, you actually found, found this gentleman um, and his story. Um, if you didn't get a chance to see it, it is a beautiful story. Uh, he is a doctor in, in Brooklyn, I believe, right? If you remember. Brooklyn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he had this patient, this really, really, uh, elderly woman who had pneumonia in both both of her lungs and, um, you know, not doing so well and clearly not going to survive. Um, and she had a relative that kept calling into the hospital and, you know, wanting to know what the status of, of her health was, what, how is she doing? And, um, The doctor, you know, he, of course, has a million and one things on his checklist that he needs to do in that moment. Um, And he kind of just wanted to tell this guy to just, you know, bug off. She's not doing well. Um, It's not looking good, good for her. So please stop calling because I have many things to do. Um, And finally, this relative got his attention enough. You know, he just he just wanted to pray, pray for her over the phone. He just wanted the doctor to put the phone next to her ear so he could pray for her as, as she was making her way, um, you know, onto the next life. And, uh, it was a realization for this doctor that, um, you know, what he was doing was a labor of love and it's really, really, uh, difficult to, to prioritize in that space, you know, um, but he just gave a few minutes to this family to be able to have those parting words and, um, That was a really beautiful story. I don't know if you have anything you want to add on to that, Chad. You're the one that found that story. It was a really great one.
0: I was just moved by the combination of something that can be at one part heart wrenching and at the same time, heartwarming. I love the end of the the quote that he has when he was done. He thanked me and blessed me. And I said, thank you to him. I felt restored uh, to myself. And that's the the key is finding the humanity in things that often feel inhumane. And and dangerous love in many ways is about finding the humanity in the people that we don't see as human. Not that we don't literally see biologically that they're human, but we have lost that connection to their needs, wants, desires, feelings. We've we've let that go. And because of that, we're disconnected them, in in a way that that is quite devastating. I was on a call with a the student, and they were talking about a, a person in their life that they were really struggling with, and they were having those same conversations of, you know, I know what I'm supposed to do. I get it. I get the concept of dangerous love, but you don't understand this person the way that I do. You don't understand they're not going to change. Uh, This person is just a bad person. They're struggling. Actually, the very first chapter of my book starts out with a quote from a woman who asked me, uh, literally asked me, but what if he's evil? (laughs) What if this is just a fundamentally bad man? And then I started the book with that quote right in chapter one because that is the question that is what sort of happens when we become disconnected is we we lose sight of the humanity the person on spoiler alert by the end of the story she would no longer sees him that way and 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 dangerous love is is walking that path from that's where i see the person to now i see their humanity in ways that move me to want to help another person. And and Bailey, I know that you've seen this and wrestled with this yourself is that it seems cool for others, (laughs) but it, it seems often impossible for us because we know so much about someone's flaws or so much about what they've done in the past that it just doesn't feel like it applies to them.
1: Yeah. Um, actually I wanted to share another example of a dangerous love hero that one of our followers shared this week. It was a video of individuals um, from the United Farm Workers Union uh, working, you know, practicing social distancing measures, but still packaging our food and putting the food on our tables. Um, And that was interesting to me. I actually went and looked at the website. I I didn't even know anything about United Farm Workers Union. and, And those are sort of the last people that I thought about when I was thinking about, you know, the people in our communities that are that are still working for us um, so i wanted to learn a little bit more about them um, and the first thing that i saw on their website is that uh, a lot of these people are not qualified to receive the COVID 19 aid that the government is distributing in the coming weeks um, they do essential work and essential business for us yet they're left out of essential benefits um, that are being distributed, such as stimulus checks. Um, and I just, I just, uh, that hit me in a different way. It's something I didn't think about um, when I was thinking about, you know, sort of the dangerous love heroes that we have in our communities.
0: So Bailey, uh, that's, that's a story that we found from the outside. I'm curious about something from one of our uh, followers on social media or someone who took up the challenge that you brought up. Was there something that moved you or really caught your eye from someone who's been really trying to actively do this challenge, either a story they told from Dangerous Love Hero, or perhaps just the story that they told from the Dangerous Love Challenge where they were trying to do some of this themselves? Okay.
1: Um, It looks like a few people from the Dangerous Love Challenge, we got some feedback um, and some great things that people are doing, Um, mostly ways... um, that people are trying to see other people in their communities as people, um, trying to give back to restaurants in the community by supporting their local businesses at a time where things are probably really tight for them and just hoping that those local businesses survive. Um, other ways are um, people donating their time to either go out and search for you know, the important N95 masks um, or donating time and supplies to make those masks for people that really need them at this time, um those have been some of the biggest the biggest ways that people have been fulfilling the dangerous love
0: challenge our Our podcast last week, if you didn't get a chance to to listen to it, was dangerous love and marriage and we started with an article that we had read in a British newspaper about predictions that there was going to be high levels of divorce. It was really interesting that last night, the data out of China now in March shows a massive spike in the number of people requesting divorce after now they are getting out of their uh, sheltering in place, their spouses, that they've seen an unprecedented spike in this. And one of the challenges was, what could you do if you're married or if you have a partner at at home that that you are sheltering in place with to, to see them as a person and this may not sound on the on the surface like a dangerous love hero, but oftentimes loving the people that are closest to us sometimes is, are the hardest people to love. And Bailey, did you hear any stories or anything about people that have tried to take that challenge on and try to see their partner in a different way through all this?
1: Yeah, actually, a lot of people gave feedback on just things that they're doing personally with their partner. And it was really interesting to see it was almost like they were rediscovering new ways to connect with their partner. They had some time. It was, and I'm assuming that it's mostly people that are sheltering at home, you know, with their partner, um, giving this feedback, but, um, it seems as though they've, they have all this time on their hands. They're discovering new ways to connect and that sort of revived, um, you know, a special type of love in their relationships. Um, whether that's taking time to read a book together or listen to certain podcasts together. Um, yeah. That was really great to see and hear that feedback. Again, as well.
0: sometimes it's easier to practice this with strangers weirdly than it is with the people that are closest to us. Sometimes it's easiest to get the most frustrated with the people that are right there in front of us. And, and Dangerous Love, the book, a lot of it is actually focused on those sort of intimate relationships with the people that are closest to us. Again, a one way to be a dangerous love hero is to find a way to see your partner. Uh, in a different light, to be more patient, to be curious as we talked about in the last podcast. If you haven't had a chance to go listen to that, I really encourage you to go back. And if you are in a relationship with someone right now and, and think about the ways that you can practice this. I like the positivity and there is so much positivity and there's so many little videos and short snippets of things that give us faith in humanity. But I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about an area where I think we're still struggling especially here in the United States. Uh, I gave a TED Talk recently about political polarization and the challenges of political polarization and what it does to, to our country and what it does to individuals and what it does to families. And, you know, when you come up with a crisis like this, I, I lived through 9-11 and saw a country really come together uh, in a moment of intense fear, uh, I- I- intense unsurety about what was going to happen next. It didn't last as long as it should have, unfortunately. Um, it wasn't long before we started to to seep back into political partisanship, but it, but it happened. And it seems like we're struggling this time around uh, with that. COVID-19 itself has been politicized. Uh, it's been, that's happened uh, on both sides. Uh, There are different, depending on the news shows that you watch, different information about what's happening right now. There's different finger pointing uh, that's happening on both sides, red pointing at blue, blue pointing at red, as to why uh, our response hasn't been as effective as as other countries have been. And an increasing level of frustration, literally state by state sometimes in, in people's responses to this. And what they seem seem to blame, and even just the very facts on the ground now, and that's the problem with political polarization is even even data and facts now get through get you know, filtered through the lens of of politics in ways where there are people arguing about even how many people are dying in New York right now and whether you should be counting this death or that death. And of course, if it's, politi- if it's part of the political narrative that, that this isn't that big a deal and this isn't a big problem, then you're trying to minimize the number of deaths. And if you want to point out this is a big deal and you want to point the finger across the aisle the other way and say the other group uh, made this worse, then you want that death toll to, to, to look bigger. It's a little bit disheartening. In some ways, because we have this amazing opportunity in America right now to do something different, to overcome some of the political polarization that we faced in the past. Because the one thing about COVID-19 is it doesn't discriminate based off of political party lines. You're not more or less likely to get this if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's taking away grandparents and parents on both sides of the aisle here and the best way the only way that we have a really effective response to this whether that's economically or from a public health um, standpoint is is to do it together and not divided I'm curious Bailey I know that you're on uh, social media a lot uh, have you seen this phenomenon have you have you seen still the sort of frustrating, political polarization being a way that maybe we're struggling to love dangerously?
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's super potent between, you know, misinformation, um, there being a lack of trust in certain news sources or even our own government officials um, and even you see conspiracy theories. Um, it is super rampant on social media and, and it's it's, I will say... It's even potent, you know, within the walls of of the home that I'm staying in right now. Uh, We've, Tim and I, my husband, have come back and stayed with our in-laws and, um, you know, there's been debate. It's been politicized. COVID-19 has been politicized in our own discussions. Um, So it's it's super potent. And um, I definitely think that it's um, contributing to our lack of ability to love dangerously right now. I also want to point to something else that I feel like COVID-19 is, is sort of um, exposing. Um, we sort of talked about this earlier in the podcast, but just um, exposing systems and structures that really serve some and really underserve others. Um, and, and it's been beautiful, just to echo what Chad said, to, to see the pandemic fueling new weavings of community collaborations. Um, but again, it's also caused divisions and certain strife to emerge. Um, it's put uh, into sharp contrast social and economic inequalities within our countries and across um, different countries. Um, and and also another thing that I think is important to point to, uh, something that we can do better, even in our own country, is, is the racism, xenophobia, and xenophobia, which is specific sentiment against Um, the Chinese community. Um, I was just reading an article yesterday about how this is specifically impacting Asian Americans living in Utah, it's it's happening all over our country, but the article I was reading about was specifically in Utah. Um, And I I definitely think that this is something that we need to pay attention to and, and do better on in our country, for sure.
0: We're still struggling. And, and some of that's to be expected given the amount of fear that's out there and the level of polarization that has that really existed in our country that means that you don't wave a wand and it goes overnight. It's been interesting to see even amongst myself, amongst people that have really been following this and trying to take the dangerous love challenge, that this these seem to be areas that we are particularly continuing to, to, to struggle in. And you know, I, I've put a lot of thought into, okay, why, why is that? And you know, towards the end of my book, uh, there's a chapter called Troubleshooting Dangerous Love. And it starts based off a conversation that I was having while I was working in the Middle East with some Palestinians. After we had gotten done with a, a pretty powerful workshop, and each of them had determined to go home and make some some pretty big changes in their life, there were three questions that they asked me at the end, which is, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't last? And what if my family or friends or coworkers or neighbors don't respond? I took these questions up towards the end of the book because I think that the skeptics within us say, "Look, dangerous love may work here, but it won't work, and then you fill in the blank. It won't work again with this person, or it won't work in politics, or it certainly isn't going to be able to bridge the divide between Republicans and Democrats or liberals and conservatives or whatever sort of divide it is that you're facing right now. And I thought I'd, I would want to address that a little bit at the end of this podcast and with a challenge. I want to start with it might not work. If you mean by it might not work is that dangerous love might not change then, then you might be right. I, I think the interesting thing is dangerous love is always about changing us and changing the way that we see others. Uh, Dangerous love is the sort of love that doesn't seek a reward, it it doesn't have conditions, it seeks to understand as a way to be understood. If we're thinking, okay, practicing this won't work because it won't change them, then I don't think we actually have grasped the concept the way that we need to grasp it. It's not about changing other people, it's about changing our perspective and being able to see the humanity in other people even when they struggle to see it with us, it might not last. And in other words, you can look at 9-11, for example, and think of this time where the polarization stopped at least for a little while in the United States, and then it ramped up again. And one of the frustrating things is I can go to all of this work and all this trouble, but maybe after COVID-19 is over, everything just sort of goes back to the way – that it was before, and we can't constantly have a crisis like this that, that, that really brings us together. And there are some really fundamental differences in our political ideologies or belief that I'm just not sure how they're bridged. And to all that, I'd say, yeah, all of that is real. But those, those fundamental differences in ideology don't have to be fundamental differences in seeing the humanity of the people that we have those differences with. We can have differences with people and still see them as people. We can disagree and still be able to collaboratively problem solve our problems together. The danger is when we lose track of the humanity of others and it's something that I feel like we are continuing to hear and continuing to see in ways that are really, really frustrating. One way to think about that is that we have to practice personal accountability every day in every interaction that I have with a family member, with, with people on social media, no matter how frustrating it is what they're saying, or no matter how furious we are with their take or their, their view of it, how do I see that person as a person? It's okay to disagree, but how do I do it in a way that's loving, that seeks to understand, that really shows that I value and respect other people's humanity? I, that's something that we can all practice And then finally, you know, others might not see you back as a person, that you may do all of this and people may continue to still make fun of you or bash you or attack your political beliefs or use impolite language towards you or what have you. And the temptation to fight back becomes really strong. This problem, I think, is really real. We want to think that peace is when we see people as people and they see us back. But there is a sort of peace that comes just from being able to see the humanity in the other side. I can't promise you that the other person's going to see you back as a person. Dangerous love may not work in changing the way that others see you, but it will always work in changing the way you and I see and ultimately treat others. And I really believe that in and of itself will Will save us we love dangerously regardless of how others see us because it's it's the right thing to do because it's the truth because they are people if you're a liberal and you're really struggling with republicans republicans are people if you're republican and you're really struggling with liberals liberals are people if there are people out there right now that that you're wrestling with you you love them not out of a desire that they're going to love you back but because they just deserve to love. And the most interesting thing about that is when it comes from that place, that's often when we actually get the very thing that we want back. We invite them to see us back that way. But when it comes from that other more selfish place, it often doesn't have the response that we hope for. And then we sort of throw our hands up in the air and say, you know, dangerous love doesn't work. I want to invite people As you're listening to the podcast this week, people that are doing a better job at seeing their partners as people, perhaps, or their kids as people, or have been thoughtful about other people that have been affected by COVID-19 and and have have stepped out of their comfort zones to to help people this week, I want to thank you and, and applaud you. And then I want you to look at some of those other areas in our life and ask that question, what else could I do? Who else could I see? as a person right now. It's actually easier to see a victim right now as a person than it's going to be to see someone that I disagree with politically or socially or what have you. How do I practice dangerous love towards them? How do I use this opportunity in this dangerous time to really change forever the way that we see and interact with each other? I'm not pessimistic. I really think that this is something that we can do it's something that we're going to need to do. We cannot politicize ourselves out of this crisis. Only by working together can we get out of this. And I really believe that it's going to not only take dangerous love, but it's going to take those small acts of dangerous love, starting with us, to get there. Thanks, Bailey, for coming on to the show. And I really appreciate your insight and, again, all of your work in the Dangerous Love Challenges. I'm sure there's going to be more ahead.
1: Thanks, Chad. Appreciate
0: it. You're listening to the Dangerous Love Podcast. Uh, I'm Chad Ford, and we'll be back next week with that promised podcast about how to dangerously love your children while you're sheltering in place.